Have you guys noticed that you can't go anywhere without seeing designer this or designer that, even designer furniture? On my social feeds and celebrity homes, it's everywhere. Have you seen how expensive these are? Well, if you want the sofa or recliner or bed that broke the internet, you don't have to go broke to get it. Because Designer Looks Furniture has all the same styles and trends, but without the designer prices. Oh, and they're well-made, too. It's the whole package. Check them out. Designer Looks at Value City Furniture or designerlooks.com. Hear that? That's the sound of a patient whose health data is protected from a cyber attack. And that... That's the sound of a financial system that's digitally secured from bad actors. Right now, there's an invisible war being fought on a digital battlefield that impacts what we do every day. That's why at Paraton, we do the can't be done to help protect the vital systems we rely on. Because if we don't, the alternative is unimaginable. Paraton. Rumkey is hiring CDL drivers age 19 and up, and drivers are paid based on experience. Rumkey CDL drivers earn $1,000 to $1,300 per week and more than $10,000 in bonuses possible in their first year. Rumkey drivers are home daily, work in a recession-resistant industry, receive great benefits and performance incentives. Start a lucrative career and apply now at rumkeycareers.com. Equal opportunity employer restrictions apply. From coast to coast, border to border, and around the world. You're going online with Bill Alexander. Laugh and learn while you listen to a brilliant display of radio. Online, online. with Bill Alexander. Bill Alexander. Hi everyone, yours truly, William Eric Alexander. All my friends call me Bill and you're online with Bill Alexander here at WMCK.FM McKeesport. 107.5 FM, Newcastle, 1620 AM, Huntington, Mixtape Radio International, Steel FM, WWSX, Radio Rehoboth, Rehoboth, Delaware, Orca Radio, Owensburg, Kentucky, Parkway 106, Pittsburgh, PA, and we're also streaming on iTalknet and also Pittsburgh, PGHTalkRadio.com. I think it's a test each week if I can get it done before the music finishes. But anyhow, yours truly, Bill Alexander, with you on this Monday evening. Hope everything's going fine for you, those of you that are listening to this later in the week. We record the show every Monday night, so if you'd like to be part of the live audience, you can by going to uh, one of two places. You can go to either italknet.com or pghtalkradio.com, and you can be part of the live audience on Monday night. But if not, we still appreciate you joining us on one of the many outlets that we have out there throughout the United States and also the United Kingdom, which is very nice to be able to be out there. But anyhow, enough of me babbling. Let's get to what we're talking about tonight. Growing up as a kid in western Pennsylvania, I used to listen to talk radio. Yes, I was one of those weird 13-year-olds that used to listen to talk radio. I used to listen to Roy Fox, I used to listen to John Cigna, and I used to listen to a guy overnight by the name of Perry Marshall. This is what got into my blood to do this, and I've been doing this now for almost 25 years here at Take on local radio and also on the internet. So recently I was thinking about it, you know what, I need to start talking to these people that I used to listen to growing up, and we have in the past. I've talked to Bogut, I've talked to Joe Gehring, I've talked to Mike Pintech, I've talked to Lynn Cullen, and all these other people, and I figured there's one i got to reach out to because I'm friends with his daughter on Facebook. 
And recently I said, you know what, let me just reach out and, and, and see what she says. And luckily for me, on the phone light right now is Robin Marshall. Robin, how are you doing this evening? Well, it's really my bedtime. <laughs> I keep hearing that from people that I'm on too late. But uh, I really appreciate uh, you uh, joining me this evening. And I was going through some stuff today. And I did not realize it's been nine years since your father passed away. It sure has. It, it doesn't feel like it, though. I mean, it, time really has skipped a couple beats. And it has. It, re it really has. And I was going through some information I had that he actually retired from the overnight talk circuit from KDK. Was it 1988? I don't remember the year. I just remember asking him, Dad... How can you do this? I don't understand why you would retire. Did something happen? Right. Did somebody threaten to fire you? Did somebody, you know, make you uncomfortable? And he said to me, no, I've just had enough. <laughs> that was his answer. Well, he, he did the overnight shift. He was on from, what was it, midnight until 6, 6 a.m. That was a long talk show shift. I mean, yeah, but everybody else was doing three hours. He was doing six. If he could have done nine, he would have. Yeah. And and you could tell that shined through listening to him. Because um, he was always the individual, I don't mean this offensive, but he was who put me to sleep at night. Because yeah. he had the most calming <laughs> voice out there. And he did. He seemed like, and again, because of my age, he seemed like a loving grandfather talking to his audience. And it was really nice to have him on the air because it just it just calmed down the city of Pittsburgh and it's calmed down what we were dealing with day in and day out because your dad just talked. And it didn't and it was it was just stuff. It wasn't anything. It's like what you do if you were talking to your neighbor over the fence or over a cup of coffee, whatever it may be. And it was that type of talking conversation that he did, which unfortunately in twenty twenty we're missing today. Understood. And I agree. Um, and again, with him with him doing that, how did he ever get into the, the uh, realm of doing talk radio? Well, you know, first, I just want to mention we've got something on the line. I don't know if you can hear it, but if it's just on my part, my end, then no problem. No, I there's unfortunately on my end, there's nothing there. So we're good. OK, so then we can keep we can go on. I don't really know how he got into talk radio because I was too young to even comprehend. I just knew from the child's perspective, we kept moving from city to city. And I swore I would never, ever be in radio because of that. <laughs> but, but he did. He wound up at, he was a WJAS. He was a KQV, which was not talk. Right. 13 Q, uh, WTAE. And I think then he wound up at KDKA, and I I believe he started at Whammo. He might have been the first top forty jock in Pittsburgh. Well, from what I've from what I've read, I I agree with you. I think he was, because um, he really didn't have any radio background, because he left high school at the age of seventeen and went into the military, right? He went into the Navy, and he was the Morse code guy. And, and I don't know what he was. A I'm not really sure what a telegrapher. Yeah. 
something like <laughs> yeah, that. I guess, I guess so, but it was in communication. Well, but I think, trust me, I mean, doing Morris Code and actually talking to people or introducing records is something totally different. Yes, but uh, but he, then he came back, got his GED, and then he, he got into radio with really no experience, but he knew somebody. And I guess he was doing some um, ad work for them. He was writing commercials at the time. Uh, I'm not, are you talking about in Chicago or in Pittsburgh? In Pittsburgh. Because we kept bouncing back and forth between Chicago and Pittsburgh. Oh, I didn't realize I know, that. Uh, yes. He was, he worked for WIND in Chicago. Okay. And, but, uh, yes, I know he was doing a lot of, uh, I, I wasn't sure about the copywriting end of it. I know he was doing a lot of voiceovers, but that's, that's news to me. So, you you said you were bouncing back between Chicago and Pittsburgh. How often did that happen? Because where did he have his first radio job at? Uh, I think it was in Pittsburgh at Weep. Okay. And then after and Weep, then did he go back to Chicago again? I, I, I don't know. I, I know that for the first year or two that I was alive, we were in Pittsburgh. Okay. And it was either, it was either weep or wham, not maybe not whammo weep, and uh, then we went over, we bounced over to Chicago for a good four years. He was at WIND, and then we came back to Pittsburgh. But in Pittsburgh, we kept moving from house to house, and then Chicago the same thing, different areas, <laughs> and it was like I was a radio brat. <laughs> kind of convenient. That's what you ended up going into eventually, but. Yes, um, even though I swore not to. Yeah. <laughs> well, because yeah. I, I, I look at some of this and, and again, like you said, he was a, a quote unquote, a top 40 DJ at the time. And he was, like you said, classified as the first in the city of Pittsburgh because he was working in that format. And yes. then, like you said, he was he was he was really big. I mean, in the 19 in the 1960s, some of the artists that he met became friends with, especially ones locally. And he was working on some of the most um, influential influential top 40 stations at the time, not only in Pittsburgh, but also in the country for yes. being at KQV, for being at um, for being at uh, 13Q, for being at these stations. And a lot of people forget how influential Pittsburgh was when it came to that type of music. Yes, true. And, and he also he also. Uh, hosted many many record hops and uh he he was from what i understand when he did that um excuse me he 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 enjoyed doing that because he was able to interact with the public yes he did he loved it and he had a lot of big stars show up for his record hop like neil sadaka sammy davis jr wow just just to name a couple and i mean i have pictures of him uh, dancing in a row with uh, it might have even been the four tops like they were okay. all like step dancing together <laughs> so so when he was in his how old were you when he when he was really in his heyday when it came to top 40 music in pittsburgh i'm not even sure uh i i think he was in radio before i was born okay or just around when I was born. So again, the whole idea of, of having a dad that was that influ- in, um, influential um, 
on the air at that time, your friends, or or when you got older, your friends had to realize he was your dad. Oh, everybody did. One of the funniest things, and and I'll try and make it abbreviated, but my dad's real name was not Perry Marshall. When he changed his name, he changed it legally, but the rest of us were not changed over. Even though we had we adopted the name and and uh, like for instance in school, I think I was in third grade. I changed my last name to Marshall because it became too confusing right. for the teachers and the, my friends. Nobody really understood, so I changed my name to Robin Marshall. But years and years later, like as an adult trying to get my driver's license for the third time in a different city, right. Uh, I didn't have any documentation of my name being changed legally. And in the state that I was living in, I had my social security card as uh, Lewis, which was my original last name. My driver's license was my married last name. And I was trying to get a driver's license in another state with the name Marshall. And I couldn't prove to anybody that I was Robin Marshall because I had no paperwork. And 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 to just to finish that up, when my dad died and I was in his apartment and I was cleaning everything up and it, it was it was just a mess. You know, at the end when people are older they, they tend to not clean as well as they should. But I was going through his desk and would you believe that the first paper I found was the the paperwork that showed him changing his name legally to Marshall. And I had to take that with me to go into the Carolinas where I was trying to get my driver's license to prove that this was my father. He changed his name, but he forgot to change the rest of it. <laughs> so, so what made him change the name to Marshall? Was it just because it was so big it was just easier to change it? No, his PD at the time insisted on changing his name. Oh, and interesting. And I, I believe, yeah, I believe his program director picked the name. Well, it worked for him. I mean, mm-hmm. it worked very well. Because Definitely. one of the things that I remember, and uh, him being able, when he opened the show up, he said, welcome to the marshal's office. And again, it just flowed um, very well, and with the name being Perry Marshall, I don't think anybody would have realized that that wasn't his name because he just embraced it from the time oh, he went he... on the air and then to uh, his later yeah. years. Yes, I agree. And I agree. Uh, and again, that had to be confusing for you as a kid, um, especially in elementary and in in, uh, in uh, junior high, and that because people starting to say, "Nah, that's not your dad," and you're going, "Yes, that's my dad. That's who he is," and yeah. trying to understand the whole idea of a radio name and a real name. So, which is why we jumped to Marshall, my mom too. Okay. And think about this: if I had never found those paper those papers that were in his desk. I may never in my life have been able to uh, collect Social Security. Wow. I mean, it's re- it was really an important issue that by the luck of God knows what, I found that paperwork. Uh, that That is. That is very lucky. So everything's been, been pretty much smooth sailing since uh, you found the yes. paperwork then? <laughs> yes. Well, I, three, two states later, yes. Well, Social Security card and everything else, yeah, that would be tough. 
Yes. Um, All three different names. It was it was nuts. And I'm sure that, well, at least you have an alias that, that people might not be able to find you eventually. I mean, that might be a good thing. Um, well, here's what, living in Texas for a while, I was using my married name and I still have my driver's license with that last name just in case I have to fly and they don't recognize or realize that I've changed my name to Marshall, which is on my Florida license. That's funny. Yeah. That's funny. Uh, so when your dad got into when to talk, um, and like you said, that was in the 1970s, and he really never explained to you why, or was it just a change of pace for him? I don't remember. I, I, I truly don't. The 70s, I'm lucky I remember anything from that generation. <laughs> okay. Um <laughs> Let's but it, be real. But again, it's just really interesting. So the question is, why did it? You were you 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 said you would never go into the business. Why did you eventually go into it? I didn't. I fell into it by accident. I was living in New York, in Queens, and I was with a band, an original rock and roll band. I was the singer songwriter along with the guitarist, and we had a record. And we were trying to find distribution, trying to get a record deal. And the man that I was dating at the time and my guitarist suggested, you know, you have an okay voice. Why don't you try and get a job on the air in New York City and maybe we can get a record played? <laughs> and I said, okay. <laughs> and, and so my boyfriend, who used to be on the air for his college station, like, four, six years earlier, yeah. wrote me this resume, this fake resume, showing that I was a PD and I was a music director and I had been on the air and I didn't even know what a PD was. And then, and then there was a guy in New York City that was from Pittsburgh, Bob Shannon. I don't know if you know I him. know the name, yeah. Okay, so he was at CBS FM. I had never met him in my life, but you know Pittsburgh. If, you, if yeah. you're from Pittsburgh and you know somebody, you're automatically friends. Right. So I, I called the guy and I said, I know you have a studio in your, in your apartment. Would you mind doing an air check for me? I didn't even know what an air check was. Okay. And so I came in and he made me this fake air check, B94 from Pittsburgh. And and then I happened to go to the rock station in New York, which was the biggest rock station. And I walked in unannounced with a fake air check and a fake resume. And I asked to speak to the PD. And luckily for me, the PD had just fired somebody. And they let me in to see him. He listened to my air check and he hired me. Right Never on the spot. Called. Right on the spot, I was on the air that night. Wow. I had never been on a board before. I didn't know what a pot was. Uh, and my boyfriend, I had to call him because it was a flip mic. And while I was on the air that night, I called him from the landline because there were no cell phones right. back then. Right. And I said to him, I don't know which way the mic goes. I don't know how to work this. <laughs> and so he talked me through the whole shit. He says, just put up push the pot up i said what's a pot and and so he explained to me while i'm waiting to go on the air for the first time in my life and i pushed it up and i talked to me and i said tell me if you can hear me he says i can't hear you turn flip the mic and that was my first 
on-air experience, and it was only because I was trying to get my record played. Oh, that is funny. So what year would that be? That was in the mid-'80s. Okay. Early-'80s, early maybe. Because that, that is just funny, especially... It's bizarre. ...going into a station and no one's showing you how their board works because everybody's board's different. Back then, they were pretty much, you know, very much the same. Um. Because I know, my... but the, the, they just—they didn't even call anybody on my resume, and the only people I had were my band members and my boyfriend. <laughs> well, you could have—you could have used your dad. I mean, <laughs> I know. <laughs> I wouldn't do it to him. There's no way. Uh, so, what did your dad say when he found out you started doing this? Oh my God, he laughed out loud. I mean, he was—he was thrilled. Uh, I said, but dad, this is not what I want. I want to be a singer. Right. You know, that was my dream for years. That's all I did. Oh, Robbie, this might lead to other things. You never know. Oh. <laughs> that is, that funniest, is just funny. The, the funniest part is I didn't tell anybody at the radio station for six months that I was a singer because I wanted to build credibility. Right. And then after the six-month period, and I told my band that I was going to wait. And I finally said, hey, you know, I went to the music director. There used to be music directors back then. And I said, hey, I've got this record. I just thought you might like to listen to. And they loved it. And it got, they put it on the air. And it was playing in New York City on steady rotation. And I was, I was actually able to sit in my car and hear one of the jocks at my station play my record. That it had was, it. It was yeah, that had to be surreal. Mind, I mean, mind yeah, blowing. It was everything. Mind blowing. Yeah. Jeez. Yeah. Um, I think everybody they when they get their first job. Now yours is a little bit more out there than the rest of us. But my first one is is because they fired the guy, the overnight guy. They were going through resumes and no one was answering the phone until they got to me. And Hilarious. I answered the phone and he goes, "Where are you from?" Because he he went by area code and I said, "Oh, I'm from so and so." He goes. But why is your exchange the same as ours? I said, I have no idea, but I'll take the job. I drove an hour and a half one way oh. every night for a year and a half oh. just to get my foot in the door at the station. And my parents thought I was crazy, but I wanted to do it so bad that I would do whatever it took to get to and get that's on the, the way air. it should be. Yeah. Yes, that's the way it should be. Because today... Their kids coming out, and I, and I know that the, the industry has gotten so difficult and it's so different from when I started, and I started in the mid-80s too, that yeah. um, it has changed so much. But kids come out right now and they think they're supposed to be on the number one station in the city where they're ever, wherever they want to work. They think they, they don't realize they have to work through the ranks to get to be wherever they want to be. And they're most often not live. Yeah. It's voice-tracked. So how many stations have you worked at? Well, I worked at uh, two at the same time while I was in New York. There's another story. Okay. I was at a hip-hop station and uh, a love song station. Two different names. Uh, one was, they're both New York City stations, but one was on the other side of the 59th Street Bridge. And the other was in the Daily News building on the other side. Okay. And I would, during the last commercial break of my show on the Queens side, 
I would get in my car and drive over the bridge to the city side and get there in that uh, 20-minute, 30-minute commercial uh, break time. Now You know, the, the spot break? Right. Now, did, did your employer at the one station have a problem with you going to another station? Nobody knew. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody knew. I guess that the rock station didn't listen to hip hop then, or vice no, versa. The, the rock station became a hip hop station, uh, okay. and I knew I wasn't going to last there, right. so I went to this other station, and and I said, "Hey, you know, I know I'm not going to make it as, uh, you know." Chelsea Lewis, which is the name I chose to use for the hip hop with it, like a little Spanish flair, okay, Spanish accent. And, and they said, yeah, sure. Come on, come on in. So I started before I left and eventually I went to the general manager who was uh, Joel Salkowitz. I don't know if you know him and he was the GM at the, the hip hop station. And I was at the time working part time, but as a full timer, right? And the and I was a union. And so I said to him, can you fire me and let me try and collect severance? Because I knew it was coming anyway. And he says to me, you're a part-timer. I can't fire you and you collect. I said, I think you can. So he says, all right, you're fired. And I went to the union and I got the 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 uh, pension or the, the severance. Okay. It was unbelievable. And then I wound up across the bridge in New York at WPIX which then became CD 101.9. Okay. And I was there for years. I was also the imaging voice while I was on the air. And then I wound up at Fresh. So which how? Which was in New York. Cause, and, the, and then you then started voice tracking, correct? No. I, I, the only thing I voice tracked was the show that I created called Jane FM. Okay. And... Uh, when I realized the industry was turning into tracking and meanwhile, I was the biggest culprit of all because I did have this show and I had it on in several different States and it was airing while I was on the air live, but I saw the trend and I, I went to my GM, his name was Jim Ryan in uh, when I was on the air at fresh in New York, I said to him, I've had enough. Like, I don't want to do this anymore. I was doing uh, voiceovers at the same time. Right. And I was you know, making a pretty good living doing imaging and that kind of stuff. But I did not want to track. So, and I wanted to get out of New York because I had five kids and it was expensive. I can imagine. You know, by, the time I, by the time you get to work and go home, a, a piece of your paycheck is gone already. Right. Anyway, so... We decided to move, my, my family and I decided to move to the Carolinas, of all places, because I didn't want to be in radio anymore. But, of course, I went to an NAB show before I left, and I wound up meeting somebody from the Carolinas at, in the area I was moving to, Charlotte. And he said, you need to call me when you get there. I did, and I wound up back on the air. I'll be darned. For the same company. <laughs> oh, Really? CBS. So I'll be darned. So, because yeah. I, okay, so this is the question because I never liked voice tracking because I never did it Hate before. It. And I just recently started voice tracking, and, and the audience should know this. If not, they haven't been paying attention. But I voice track for an oldie station in the region. And 
I actually kind of like it a little bit. Um, just, really? Well, because I can do it on my schedule and I can actually do it from my studio at home. I don't have to go anywhere, which makes yeah. it nice. And that, I think, is the reason why, because I can do it. And I, and I, I try to do it the day of the show or I do it a couple hours beforehand. But it just gives me that convenient than, than driving all the way to somewhere, sitting in a studio for four hours and then driving all the way back again. So I, right. can, I can see the pluses and minuses to it. I get that, but I, maybe it's the music in me that okay. just, I when I would be on the air, the studio, everybody knew to stay away from my studio. Okay. Because the music would blast. <laughs> I mean, the whole, I'd be dancing, I'd be singing along, I would have the time of my life just listening to the music. I cared more about hearing the music than I did talking on the air. So that's the difference. I gotcha. You, you had that, that drop dead desire to be yeah. on the air yeah and i loved music right and i understand it was, that. It was a, yeah that, that's the difference and that and, that, and that, again you don't have that anymore with the with the guys announcing because most people now like you said are voice tracking yeah and, they're, and they don't a do, lot of them don't even get to hear the intro or outro yeah. and they're just doing five or they're doing five or six stations and at a time and they have no connection to any area that they're in and that's one of the things that i've said for a long time that we're lo- losing that local connection yes in local communities i mean your dad for 20 plus years 25 years had a local connection to the city of pittsburgh yes. i don't think anybody can have that anymore no but it wasn't just pittsburgh i mean kdka had what was it a hundred how many, what was it, 100 watts or, oh, it just covered half the country. Yeah, it covered all the way up to Canada and a portion of Mexico, yeah. Yeah, 50,000 50, watt blowtorch, yeah. And eastward, yes. Yep. And actually, because, I, I could listen to it of all places, Albuquerque, New Mexico. Isn't that interesting? My grandparents lived there, and when I would visit as a kid... I would have a transistor radio with me, and I could put it under my pillow. And if you got it just right, you could hear KDK in Albuquerque. <laughs> so, yeah. so again, you're right. It, it, you don't have that. You don't have that connection anymore. You're listening to Online with Bill Alexander here on WMCK.FM, the Keysport, 107.5 FM, WLDJ, 1620 AM, Huntington, Mixtape Radio International, Steel FM, WWSX Radio 99.1 FM, Radio Rehoboth, Orca Radio, Owensburg, Kentucky, Parkway 106, Pittsburgh, PA, and streaming at italknet.com and pghtalkradio.com. So when was the last on-air job you've actually had then? Well, when I left New York, I went to the Carolinas. I was on the air at two different companies for about three, in about three, a three year period. And then I got a call, a very interesting call from some higher ups at uh, Cumulus in Dallas. Or not in Dallas. They were, it was corporate, Cumulus corporate. They, they needed a brand new division to be built for, their national voiceover division. They wanted somebody to come in and build a, a a creative voiceover division to cover all their cumulus radio stations nationwide. Okay. So 
they asked me to go to Dallas, which is where uh, the hub was. I was the only one. There was no division, and and I built it. I slowly. I had to talk them into things. I had to lie and say, "Well, I don't have this. I, I need this." I did anything I could. If I couldn't get in the front door, I'd go in the back door. And I built this division, and then Westwood One became a part of it. I had 10 full-timers in my staff, and then I had every jock across the country that worked for Cumulus or Westwood One that would do spots for me. And then I narrowed them down until I got the staff that I really, really felt were voice actors. And I did that for seven years and we uh, we were given notice. Everybody in the building was fired except for our division. Wow. Because the lease on the building was up. And we were told that we had to build studios at home. Well, okay. luckily for us, most of us had studios, like bare, basic bone studios. And we had one night from 4 o'clock. We broke everything down in the building, took it all home set it up and we were on air Friday morning with the ability to record spots. So we worked, my whole staff worked from home, like you were saying for three years. And I mean, it was quite sobering to not see somebody at the coffee machine and not talk to people, you know, upfront and, and close and personal and be in your home all by yourself all day. I mean, People don't realize, well, maybe they do now, but back then, it was very hard to adjust to that kind of life, even though you didn't have to drive the distance right. to get to where you had to go. Because the thing I, and again, when you said that, I'm thinking, oh, wow, that sounds like what's what we're dealing with right now for the last nine exactly. months. Exactly. And I'm exactly. sure there's a lot of people that, that, that work in the field that were told, we can't have you in the building, you got to do it from home or from somewhere else. And yeah. they had to put their own studios in. Now, when yeah. you were doing this, how did you can how do you compare that to when you were on the air? Did you do you, do you like doing the voiceover? Do you like that, or would you rather be playing music? Uh, I'd rather be doing a talk show. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> That's the funny part because I, I never really got the closest I got was the show that I created, Jane FM. Yes. Because each piece would talk about something that is entirely not music related in between the songs. Okay. And it would just, it would be controversial or it would be sexy or it would be feminine or it would be, did you know that grapefruit heightens your sensuality about, you know, there'd be all kinds of different, different things that I would talk about, but that's the closest I got to talk. If you were given the opportunity today, would you do talk? Absolutely. But it would be as much as I've gotten involved in politics lately, yes. first time in my life, it would be anything but, but politics. I There's did, enough people out there yes. talking politics. And enough people yelling at each other. Um, yes. I did politics up until 2000. And when that happened, I said, huh, I can't do that anymore because I, I don't like I don't like the way the country was going, especially after 
And yeah. I, that's why I do what I do now. Because to me, this is just having a conversation over a cup of coffee or a glass of wine or whatever it may be. And it's, it's very informal, but we have people listening to us, which is kind of nice. Um, yes. So when, when you, when you were, were doing this, and when when the whole the whole voiceover um, division was closed, you were working at home. You were there for three years. Now, where were you living? No, at? I was there for se- I was there for seven. Years. You were there for seven, I... but the last three were at home, right? Yes. So, where were you living at at the time? Dallas. So you went from North Carolina to Dallas. I... I went from I crossed the Mason Dixon line and didn't know if I was going to live. That was from New York and Pittsburgh. <laughs> North Carolina was like I, culture shock. It's a different world, isn't it? Um, yes. I plan on retiring got, in North Carolina just to let you know, but I I understand what you're saying. Parts of it are beautiful. Oh yeah. I mean, and Charlotte is a, a booming. Hang on one second. My earbuds are about to die. Sorry about that. How do do I change this over before I lose you? That's the funny part here. I'm going to put you on speaker and tell me if you can hear me. I I will. Can you hear me okay? Yes, I can hear you perfectly fine. That's good. (laughs) I heard that dreadful sound. Yeah. Um, yeah. so, so So you're there now. You're in Florida now, correct? Yes. Are you doing anything in radio or 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 are you retired from radio? You know, it it's a funny way of putting it, but when I when my division was let go and I know radio is radio and I saw so many of my friends get let go throughout the years and so many times I would find people jobs because, you know, that's what we do for each other. Right. But when it happened to me, and it was the first time really I could say I was let go without having any reason for it except for monetary reasons for the company, I, 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 I needed to just take a step back and breathe. Okay. And what happened was I was still working, and because I was working from home, I said, why am I staying in Dallas I, I sold my home, I moved to Florida, I bought another home, and as soon as I bought the home, like two months later, I was told the division was gone. So I was stuck with a mortgage, which I had not anticipated. I had to take a step back. I didn't trust radio anymore. Mm-hmm. I never did trust radio, but you know, it's what I fell into. And so I went to a radio, a local radio school over here, and I asked if they needed help. And uh, they said, absolutely, starting in March, we need full time. And I said, okay, let me know. And then the pandemic hit. Oh. But I would have preferred teaching because I've done it before and I loved it Mm -hmm. over being on the air or tracking or doing uh, spots. I I think I just I got a little bit of that the burnout. I gotcha. So and the last now I'm I sorry, do, go ahead. I, no, now I do voiceovers. <clears throat> pardon me. And um and I'm I've become more of an artist. I'm back to paint and refurbishing 
furniture and I'm having a great time. Like I, I forgot that I had that talent from when I was a teen and I'm painting all day and I'm doing voice work in the middle. And and that's what I was going to ask you because are you, you're doing voice work from home and then sending it out? Yeah. Okay. Because I think, I mean, unfortunately with what's happening to commercial and terrestrial radio, it's 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 stagnant. However, there's so much happening online right now that I think I, that may be the next boom. Did I just lose you? I'm sorry. For That's a second, okay. you did. Okay, but I I think that because of of, of commercial radio, terrestrial, that it it's stagnant, and I think a lot of the creativity is going to be online where there's really no limits right now until someone comes in and starts to regulate what's happening online with audio and also Agreed. video. Agreed. I also started a podcast. So oh. that kept me pretty busy. I've got like 150 episodes. Wow. But but I, uh, again, once I was let go, I sort of walked away from that too because it just, I felt like it was very close Okay. To being in radio, I, it's still online, and I still toy with the idea. Like every once in a while, I'll go and I'll I'll just sit down and I don't, I never have a script. I just start to talk, and the only thing I ever have to edit is like a space, because once it something is in my mind, I'm just on target. I'm I'm lucky like that. I guess I get it from my dad. Yes. <laughs> Yeah. What what frustrates me about the podcasts we hear, and it, again, because I worked in radio for so many years, is that everybody edits everything, and there's nothing that is a stream of consciousness like it used to be when you were on the yeah. air, because you couldn't stop. You just had to go. You made a mistake. You said something exactly. wrong. You kept going. And it frustrates me now, because I hear these things, and they're so well-polished, and I'm going, I know it took you more time to do it. Yes. Than it should have, because I'll, I'll be honest with you, I can do post production like the next guy, but I hate it. Yeah. <laughs> if I can okay. do, if I can do an hour straight and keep the flow of conversation going, we're in good shape. Uh, <laughs> but again, I just hate going back and fixing things. That's why when I do my program, I do it like as close as I can to when I used to be on the air in the region. So I don't have to go back and re-edit everything. But I, I found out I'm not the only one that does that because um, more people, especially old radio people that are getting into this now are doing it the same way. But again, they say once the bug bites you, it never lets go. But it's oh, not. Yeah, I'll tell you what, uh, you know what never lets go is that damn dream that we all have. <laughs> and what dream <laughs> is that? That is the disc jockey's nightmare dream. <laughs> you know what I'm talking yes, about. Yes, I do. Oh, I wrote a book about it, for God's sake. <laughs> Did you really? <laughs> There's a book that uh, I just got this bug, like you just said. And I, I said, I have so many friends on Facebook that are jocks or that have been in radio for yeah. years at some level. I said, do you all have that nightmare or that one episode that really happened to you in person that you just can't let go of. And if you do, send it to me. And I, I created this this page on Facebook called Disc Jockey's Nightmare. I got 500 responses in probably a week and a half. <laughs> and I looked at all of them and I said, what am I supposed to do with this? 
And then I went to my son, who was 18 years old at the time, who was an artist and primarily an athlete, but also an artist. And I said to him, Dylan, I'm going to write a book. I'm going to take these stories that people sent me and I'm going to compile them and make it into a book. But I need pictures to go with some of the stories. If I clean your room for the rest of your senior year, will you draw me like 50 or 60 pictures? And we struck a deal. Okay. (laughs) So I have all of these stories in that book called Is This Thing On? Oh, that's hilarious. And it became a bestseller on BarnesandNoble.com. Did it really? Wow. I kid you not. I kid you not. And and for those of you that are interested, and I'm on the page right now, it's it's Disc Jockey's Nightmare. And Oh, I don't even think the page is still Oh, it, it's still there. It, oh, wow. it I'm looking at it right now. And um the, just the stories about of of things going wrong. Yes. <laughs> One person got locked out of the studio, somebody else got her finger cut off when <laughs> when she tried to run in. Another one the the this happened to me. I went to slide the pot up and it flew across the room. <laughs> well, my, mine, I was, work, I was working for an AM um, day timer and I got there and it was the time daylight savings chime was coming into play. Well, yeah. I set all the clocks before the, the next shift came in on Sunday morning and I get home and going, did I set yeah, the yeah. clocks right? And I got, and I came back in, and then I broke the key off in the door handle, and I couldn't get back into the station to fix the clocks. <laughs> so trying to get into the station without breaking into it was quite interesting. Yeah, I, I, yeah, we all have those stories. Yes, yes. <laughs> and you never forget them. You dream about them. Forever. Oh yeah, um, I yeah. There's quite a few out there. So which is your worst one then? The story I that you can't forget. My, my worst story was when I began working at Fresh 1027 in New York. Now, I had been on the air for years. Okay. This was my last station in New York City. And I was using, uh, I forget what the name of the system was. What's the, the uh, oh my God. I just, it, it's, it's, it's out of my head for a second. But whatever the system was that we were using, I'd been using for years. I never, ever had a problem with it the system and I hit one button and I don't know what happened but all of the pots locked up (laughs) and I couldn't get anything to play and I'm standing there pushing button after button I'm trying to call an engineer it's like 8 o'clock at night I can't reach an engineer there's no one in the building I'm trying to call my boss I was there for five minutes with dead air and I didn't get a hotline call. That's amazing. (laughs) That meant that showed me that nobody was listening. (laughs) Well, I I think it's interesting. And for the audience to know that the hotline or we had a red phone or a red light that if something went wrong, there was someone on man from management listening to the station right at that time and calling you to tell you that you did something wrong. Yes. I remember that. Um, I got one, I was working for an AM. I just started out in uh, working commercially, just started out. (laughs) Some guy called me and he goes, excuse me. I said, well, he goes, you did not give the barometric pressure when you gave the weather. 
I said, huh? He says, yes, you're supposed to give the barometric pressure. I said, no one cares. He goes, I do. And what about those people that got new barometers today and they oh, need to my. set them? And Gosh. I'm going, excuse me, sir, who is this? He goes, and he told me, he goes, I'm the owner of the station. I froze. <laughs> I'm 20-something years old oh, arguing with the owner of the station because I forgot oh. to give the barometric pressure. Um, <laughs> I have to tell you one thing that is like the end when I left New York I went into my GM like I mentioned and I said listen I just wanted to let you know that I, I'm retiring I'm leaving and I said I would love to continue to work until my moving date if that's okay with you and he looked at me and he said to me if you can promise me that you will not say the F word you can stay <laughs> <laughs> and I'm sure you were so tempted to say it too, weren't you? Oh, I was. I never even thought about it until he said it. He put that in my head. Yeah. But I mean, it, it, I just had a, I had a pretty good reputation, and everybody knew it. That's so. funny. Yeah. Um, but again, it is. It, it's true. And the, and looking at this page and just some of the just some of the things that I can glance at real quick. Um, people working at uh, six stations at one time. And, yeah. and announcing, and we've all done this, announcing the wrong station. Yes. <laughs> oh, my God. When I, would, yes. when I would switch, I was working at two at one time, and I forgot who I was on the one station because I was using a different name. And I'm going, I don't know who I am. That's why we have two cards. <laughs> it's like I wasn't that smart to write it down. Yeah, uh, that's what I did when I, was, when I told you I was working at the two I was Chelsea Lewis at 102.5, and I was Robin Marshall at 103.5. And I'd have to write down the car on the cards so that I would not forget where I was. From 102.5 to 103.5, that must have been yes. fun. Yeah. Oh, that'd be hard just to think about it. To keep well, it those was straight. hard to find a parking space. That's the, that was the hardest part. I had 20 <laughs> minutes to get across the bridge. And if ta traffic was tight, I'm sure. Um, and I, the other thing that I used to be known for is uh, getting there right as my shift started. And 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 the uh, jock before me going in, we think he's coming in. He's not here yet. And I and as yeah. soon as the first song played, the ID played the song. I walked in. I sat down. I said, "I told you I'd be here." Um, <laughs> <laughs> you were the jock we all hate. Yes, I was. <laughs> Uh, I was working for a station in Washington, PA, when I did that. Yeah, they they weren't my biggest fans uh, sure. down there. But anyhow, but from from radio to um, writing, you actually wrote um, a couple books, right? Yes. Um, you did this one here, and, and you did another one, which I remember when I first friended you on Facebook, that you sent it to me to read and i can't oh. remember the name of the book it was a very provocative book if i remember correctly yes it was called the diary of a sugar mom okay and and i i asked for 10 men and 10 women to read it before i published it to see uh you know how it played out in in the two genders minds and I was very, very surprised that the women loved it and the men liked it. Okay. I didn't get any negative on it, which is why I published it. And I only asked for 20 people to do it, to read it ahead of time. 
So, yeah, it, uh, both of those books are available on Amazon. But the most bizarre thing is if you go to look for them, like if you look up, um, is this thing on by Robin Marshall? Yes. You might find it for like $800. Wow. I don't know what. There must be some kind of spam or something that has hit both of my books okay. with, the, with the dollar amount. But if anybody ever wants them, they can write me because I have a couple of copies of my own. Uh, uh, I would love one, especially have it autographed. Oh, <laughs> it's this mic I'd on. Be happy to. I'll get in touch with you about that because I actually have the PDF of the other one still. I came oh, across, yeah, I came across it the other day. So. That that book was uh, that that stirred up some muddy waters. <laughs> really, did it? Was it was it based in personal fact or what? Well, I called it faction. Okay. And I mean, you can figure that out. It's some fact, some fiction. Right. Um, a lot of the family, what the family parts were true. Not all of them. Some of them. I would never divulge which parts were real and which parts weren't. Of course, whether the real or the fiction. Um, but it it does make for an interesting read. And my children were not thrilled with me. <laughs> My mother was absolutely not happy with me. I'm sure. Uh, yeah. But, you know, there are some things that girls got to do, and that's all there is to it. That's, that's exactly right. Um, but, again, it's it just interesting how you never intended to go into radio. You fell into it by accident and made yes. a career out of it. So how many years did you actually, from the beginning to, to the end, in anything related radio, how long did you work in the field? Probably 30 years. Wow. But, yeah. you know, f f first and foremost, I'm a writer. Right. Before anything else, I'm a writer. And that's why I was okay, you know, with radio. Because my everybody that hired me knew I was not going to be a liner jock. They all knew I was going to write my own shit. Okay. You know, and they all trusted me because I just had a good reputation i would i knew how far i could go and i would go that far if you because had if you had the opportunity today to go back on the air you pick whatever station is and they wanted you just to do liner stuff would you take the job or would you turn it down i would definitely turn it down okay i would never do i didn't do it when they when it was expected of me so why would I do it now? Well, that's true. Because I know that, that the creativity in radio has disappeared so much because, yeah. as I call it, it sounds like cookie cutter. Um, yes. That you go from one station to another station, depending on what music they're playing, and they do all sound alike. Um, yes. There is no creativity whatsoever. Like when your father started out in the 60s or in the late 50s, early 60s, compared to what we've turned into today, today yeah. you could basically... As uh, someone I used to listen to say, you could actually just turn on a CD player or put a CD in or an MP3 file in and listen to it all day and just have someone give you the weather and the news. And that would be the same thing. You're right. And and one thing that I'll tell you, I fell into this as well after I was let go. And even while I was on the air and and while working for cumulus and westwood one and as as a in a different position as a dm and a uh, vp for this division i built any time i would not be on the air 
I would not listen to the radio. Okay. For years, I would not listen to the radio. I, would, I drove from Pittsburgh to the Carolinas and never turned the radio on once because I needed the silence. Okay. There was just too much noise and, and, and nothing was really being said. And the music, most stations have such a short yes. library. Yeah. But you hear the same thing over and over again. And and that that is a shame. And it's because and I don't know if that's because they think the audience can't handle more than that. Or No, it's because they, they know that an audience will only listen for twenty minutes at a time. So they feel they can, you know, replay the playlist well what what frustrates me is when i'm doing something and i have the radio on in the background and i start hearing it an hour later and i start hearing the repeats over and over again yes because and it's just and that's not just local radio am fm that's satellite radio yes and it's so frustrating i I know i noticed uh, i was listening to sirius i think it was one of the rock classic rock stations I was shocked that I was hearing the same songs over and over yeah. again on a satellite station. And you would assume that their library would be deep enough. I mean, there's enough music out there. Oh, Someone yeah. just has to find it and load it. Yeah. It's not that difficult. No. We both know that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if someone would listen to me, I'd be more than happy to tell them how to fix it. But no one yeah. listens to me anymore. No. Uh, no one ever listened to me. <laughs> they, they would just pray. They would just pray when I'd open the mic that I'd behave. <laughs> I, 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 I can't imagine you not behaving. I, I, I just don't see that in your cards. But <laughs> Well, because I'm the one that pushes the envelope, you know? Just a bit. Just, <laughs> just a little bit. I was just using but a little not... sarcasm there, that's all. I know, I know. Just enough <laughs> to make somebody nervous, that's all. <laughs> Robin, thank you very much. I've had a wonderful time. I really have. This has been a um, pleasure. Thank you for having me. And I'd love to have you back on again in the future because uh, I'm sure there's a lot of stuff we haven't talked about. And I know with a lot of stuff you're doing on Facebook, you have become very politically aware in the last year. And uh, I think all of us have. Um it's just, enough already. Just, just, just what we're dealing with. It's like, yeah, let's move on and turn the page. Let's just really? get over it. Right. And I yes. I saw the video that you posted the other day of, of being in the parking lot. Oh. And... oh, but the thing you didn't see, and I'll be quick because I know it's like we have like three minutes left yeah. here. But uh, I was trying to get out of the parking lot. And then I realized when I looked at my GPS that I had to make a U-turn. I had to make the right and then swing around and make an, a left. And then those people were going to be on my right side. Oh. And I had my top down. Yeah. Not my shirt, my car. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let me clarify I would have that, never please. thought of that, but thank you for that image. Okay, you're welcome. Uh. So I had the top down and I'm, I'm listen, this is, this is how you know you're in radio or you'll never be out of radio. I'm listening to the guy talking. Yeah. There's this huge crowd of people, and I look over at them to see how in the world is his voice this loud? Is he using a megaphone or is he using a, a microphone? Right. <laughs> I have to look at this. Like, who else would think that mm-hmm. way other than somebody in radio? So I look over and I see that he's using a megaphone, and he's looking at me, and I take my arm and I wave him away. 
Like, you know what? Leave me alone. Right. And they all came after me. <laughs> they all came to the curb and started yelling at me. You're a loser. You don't know what it is to win. You're a loser. <laughs> and I'm like, shut the hell up. <laughs> but I'm stuck at a red light with my top down. And there's nothing else I could do. Yeah. But this, is, this is what. And then I said, oh. <laughs> I forgot I'm in a red state. Ah, <laughs> well, you should respond and go and excuse me. I know what it's like winning. I'm from Pittsburgh, but anyhow, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Robin, yeah. thank you very much. You have a great My evening pleasure. and I can't thank wait you. to talk to you again in the future. You have a great night. Thank you. Bye-bye. Robin Marshall here online with yours truly, Bill Alexander. What a pleasure that was. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did, talking about uh, her father, Perry, and also about her career in radio. And uh, again, it, we all, a lot of us have the same stories. It may not be in the same location or may not be in the... In the, in the same state, but we all have those stories. So, again, thank you very much for listening tonight. And uh, we'll be back in next Monday night as we do it all over again here online with yours truly, Bill Alexander. You guys have a great week, and we will talk to you next week. This has been a Million Dollar Baby production. For more information, go to italknet.com. If you've ever been a renter, you know it's stressful to find a place with everything you love and nothing you don't. But did you know Zillow does rentals? It makes the search so easy. They have filters for pretty much everything, so you can find that place that's in your budget, but also isn't a shoebox. Or a place that's close to your parents, but far enough they have to call first. Plus, it's easy to apply, request tours, and pay rent in the app. Head to ZillowRentals.com and find your sweet spot. If you've been a renter, you know it's stressful to find the perfect place. But Zillow Rentals make it easy. They have filters for pretty much everything, so you can find a rental that's big enough for entertaining your friends, but small enough they won't crash all weekend. Find your sweet spot on ZillowRentals.com. Have you guys noticed that you can't go anywhere without seeing designer this or designer that, even designer furniture? On my social feeds and celebrity homes, it's everywhere. Have you seen how expensive these are? Well, if you want the sofa or recliner or bed that broke the internet, you don't have to go broke to get it. Because Designer Looks Furniture has all the same styles and trends, but without the designer prices. Oh, and they're well-made, too. It's the whole package. Check them out. Designer Looks at Value City Furniture or designerlooks.com. Your favorite band's about to play a sold-out show. You got in... Over here! ...with a friend and found a spot close enough to see the set list. They're definitely playing your song. When you're with Amex, it's not if it's going to happen, but when. American Express. Don't live life without it.